Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Today, Father, thank you that we find ourselves once again amongst your people in the sanctuary and the temple of the Most High God, calling out to you in Jesus' name. And we pray, Father God, that you would reveal yourself to us and that we might walk with you and not only be hearers of your word, but doers, Lord, that we would have a practical, intentional application that is deliberate, Lord, because you reward those who diligently seek you and those who seek you. You said you would allow yourself to be found. You said that if we knocked, you would open. If we asked, we would receive. Father, we pray, Lord, that your word this morning would set our course on the track to your purpose in this life, that we not be distorted, detoured, detracted. Father God, that we not fall in despair, but that our families might know that you are in our lives and we have embraced you and we follow you and we honor you. We celebrate and glorify you today. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the gift, the greatest gift that's ever been given. Salvation, deliverance, joy and peace. We pray that you be glorified and that your word might advance in our lives and that it might be a light unto our path and that it might be the life that men are seeking around the world, that you would give it to us in abundance so that we might share with others, Lord. And we pray that we not fall in the snare of deception, that we not fall, Father God, in the depravity of sin and, and pursuing other things rather than you. We pray that we would have your results in our lives as we pursue obedience to your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. This morning, um, I come with a word that's called the heart and words of a father. And we, we're so related and tied into this concept of constantly talking about the father and his heart and his words because absent these things we fail miserably i can't help but to remind people of the ten commandments where god for deal with our relationship with god in the heavens and then number five directly deals with our relationship with our fathers here upon the earth. Way before anything that God might tell us in the instruction of his word is to make sure we have a right relationship with the father. That is revealed in scripture uh, at depth that, that cannot be overstated. And then the finality of the last verse in the Old Testament, almost as if bringing closure to what the heart of God is for the inhabitants of the earth in Malachi 4, verse 5, where he says he will send a messenger, a great prophet of the Lord before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So right before everything comes to a culmination, he will have a pronouncement by the messenger he will send. And the messenger comes with a message from the highest office, the throne room of God. And God's concern for the inhabitants of the earth before the days of the, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So right before the final pronouncement, God has a message for his creation upon the earth and it's verse 6 where he says to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. This, this seems to be a dysfunctional manner that fathers are not carrying the capacity to impart to their children that which God has designed. And then 
It doesn't matter how much a father is there for his child if his child's heart is not properly situated, then he fails to receive. So he says not only the heart of fathers to turn to their children, but the heart of children to prepare themselves to welcome a father and his instruction and all that God has desired to pour upon a father to bring down to his child. And he says, if this does not happen, the earth is stricken with a curse. So there, however we want to describe this transaction, the heart and words of a father are upon God's heart 400 years after the people of Egypt uh, are enslaved in Egypt, the people of God are enslaved in Egypt, they come out and God gives to Moses the instruction that's to direct their path and he gives them the 10 commandments. The first four have to deal with their preparation to have God pour upon them his bountiful sovereign provisions. And then he says, by way of commandment number five, honor your father and mother. For it's the first commandment with two promises that everything will go well with you and you'll live a long life upon the earth. So the dynamics of everything that God has for you here upon the earth is consistent with the instruction placed in the father's heart and through his words so that you might capture the life that God has for you. And so we all have incredible questions. How is it that if I see my dad faulty and the parental scheme defective, how is it that God could bring anything good out of there and simply because you honor the father in heaven who has told you to do that, he works it out and he makes for any lapse or any deficiency to come about. He even tells, Jesus tells the earthly fathers, you being evil, so he knows what's there, know how to give good gifts to your children. So he, he defines those men as men that come with issue, but it doesn't give you a trump card to divert from this scheme. So asking God, Lord, what is in the highest order of a father to speak to his children? What, what is it, you know, grave responsibility for you fathers that according to what God, the dynamic of which God set up in every home, number one, and we say this in our men's conferences all over the world, that God made sure that he would give to every family a hero at home. A hero at home. Um, 20 years ago, VeggieTales came out with a cucumber and a tomato, and I swore that that would not sell the first episode. I'm like, look, a tomato with no legs and no hands. This is going nowhere. Is this a tomato and a cucumber, Larry, the cucumber, and Bob, the, is it Bob the tomato? Yeah, I haven't forgot. How could a cucumber and a tomato become a multi-million dollar generational craziness? VeggieTales. I don't like vegetables. Maybe if there would have been fruit, maybe there's an attraction. No, it was VeggieTales. And so after many years of success and notoriety and, and everybody knew all the VeggieTales stories and all the characters and our kids fell in love with the tomato and the cucumber and the celery. I think there was a celery. Who, who watches celery bounce around? We, we have deficient kids. And so I thought they were going nowhere. And all of a sudden, I, I, was, I, I said to a, a man here at the church, knew that 
I had contempt against the veggie tales. And he says, Pastor, what's wrong with my kids watching veggie tales? Why are you so upset? I go, because that freaking tomato and cucumber has more character than you, sir. Your son's supposed to learn what a Christian is from dad, not from a tomato. I want to be a Christian like Larry the cucumber. No. I want to be a Christian like my dad. I want to see somebody that's courageous to serve the Lord, to fight the battles of God. And a tomato and a cucumber cannot have more Christian character than that thing that's at home that we call dad. Who would rather take us to an Elton John concert or a Rolling Stones concert or desire the things of this world and gets excited about sporting events and not about the God, his creator. So we, we need to press forward not only in our responsibility to know the father, but to be the fathers. And I, I was always challenged by the fact that my children will come to their dad to establish the way of the Lord. And that's not true in many homes. And, and many children grow up with cowardly fathers. They lack the, the, the substance of, of saying, this is what God says. This is what God desires. And I not tell you as an imposition of commandments, my life interprets my devotion. And you will see me serve my God. You will see me put him as a priority. You will see the effects of having a father in this house. That, that usually ended a lot of conversations. Because my kids would say, why? And I would finish by saying, because there's a father in this house. That's the difference. It's, it's supposed to be the difference. And so in that regards, we want to press into this a little bit. I don't have to get into the statistics. The absent fathers of our generation becomes a, a craziness. Here's what it is. As God has given us the responsibility to father children, 18 million children in America have no fathers. And I want to say this, if you go to communism and you go to Islam and you go to atheism, all these are the expressions of men upon the planet who did not have a father. They're called orphans. And when you have an orphan that has no direction, that is not the problem. You say, well, if a child does not have a father, big deal. Just, there's just an absent there. No, not big deal. When he doesn't have a father who directs his steps, because the word orphan means without direction. You don't have a father, you don't have a direction. And, and so for the sake of most of us whose father have absconded, absent, neglectful, they're no longer here, the Holy Spirit is endowed to attract you to a spiritual father. That you hold him in the high honor, like many of the men here at the church says, I didn't have a chance to honor my dad. I'm going to honor the father in this house. The spiritual fathers God has put among us. We're going to hold them in high regard. And, and what our practice here is at Spring of Life, uh, we tell young men, sit down with many of the fathers that are in this house. That are willing to give you the father's heart. Because it's not biological, systematic. Romans 8.15 says, you have not received a spirit of fear, of bondage to, again, to go back to fear and to isolate and withdraw. But you received a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that adopts you and allows you to connect like a magnet to a dad and cry out, Abba, Father. Which pretty much says, I am willing to be instructed. I am willing to be corrected. I am willing to be disciplined. Because that's what a father does. If you want more on this, you could talk to Julian. He has a great father. And God has given him a gift. 
in a man that he could go to to direct his path, to give him direction, to give him wisdom in the way he should go. So this is super important, especially in our day where the devil has attacked the father and son because the devil, I believe the devil reads the Bible more than we do. And that's why he was able to tell Jesus four times in Matthew 4, it is written, it is written, it is written. Because he governs his affairs by what is written and he knows that it's written that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, the heart of a son and the heart of a father need to connect. If not, chaos will ensue. And so this is not religion, people. This is reality. And there's all sort of manner of expressions of the absent father or the wayward son. The parable of the prodigal son has given to us as a gift of God that depicts a son realizing he's going nowhere without the father and has to return and tell the father, I want to start and do things right. Because I ended up, last time I thought, with a bunch of pigs eating slop. I, I, I went away wealthy and blessed, and now not even pig's food is being given to me. I'm going to return to the father. So this is what we're talking about this morning. And, but, but again, I have to say that there's 18 million children in America who have no fathers. And I, I want to say there's 300 million of which, even if dad is at home, he's not carrying the spiritual weight to be a blessing to his children. So his children are being taken to all manner of expressions. And for whatever the case may be, if it's telling the kids in the Ten Commandment, Commandment number five, go back and tie into the dad, it would be, say with me, horrendous. For when a child goes back to dad and has a right relationship with his father, for his father to have violated commandment number one. Imagine that. Imagine that you have a son whose heart is lined up with and he's willing to be parented and fathered, but his father has dropped the ball because commandment number one says, you shall have no other gods before me. So there's all manner of children that even if they don't have a relationship with their father, those that do have a father have a father who's bowing down to other priorities that is not God. And so we have the diminished effect even if the son has a heart to follow his father, his father has his heart in another place. And that just is a curse to those generations. Because God spoke before he told the child to honor his parents. He told his parents, you shall make no idols before me. You're not to take my name in vain. You're to remember the Sabbath day. You are to walk in such a way that I am first and foremost in the family. We have all manner of children that now, even if they were to go back to their fathers, they have wayward fathers. But see, the Bible is perfect in its expression because you read the Old Testament and there is the scheme of these who forsook um, the expressions of kings. In the book of Kings, you have Hezekiah, you have Manasseh, you have Amnon, and then you have Josiah. And the previous generations decided not to honor God. And you might come from a family whose your fathers did not teach you how to worship the Lord. And you find yourself as Josiah, your father was short-lived because he did not honor God and God took him out of your life. And now you find yourself, uh, 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1, it begins the description of the life of Josiah when he's eight years old. What does an eight-year-old know about anything? Not much. Who's supposed to tell him? His father. What if his father's not around? Then he has to have 
some other description of how he is to proceed. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and from eight to 31, that's 39 years, he was the king of Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah. I'll leave the names to be translated at a later moment. But this, this is the, the, the beginnings of a young man, and in the descriptions of his forefathers, his dad was a wicked king. His father did not give him a roadmap. In fact, as they describe who his father was, he began to set up all manner of altars all over Jerusalem. And as he's setting up all these all, uh, idols and places of worship, I, I, would, I would be interested in knowing today if I was to call you out and say, where's your father's altar? Who, who does your dad give highest time and priority? Who does your dad worship? Um, worship comes from the word weighty. What has the strongest pull and weight in your father's life? And, and that being said, uh, Jerem, um, um, Billy Graham says, follow the money. Where does your dad deposit his greatest sums of money? And you will know what your dad worships. Because that's where the worth is. Where he spends his time, his money, his... Uh, I, I want to say this for the record in this regards. Idols steal your money. Idols steal your time. Idols steal the specific purposes in your life. Whenever you have things that are being taken away from the purpose of God, removed and, and placed distant from God, you know that an idol is present. They have your time, they capture your heart, they have your attention. That is your God. Joshua had to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You decide where you put your time and your money. And guess what happens? A lot of people are bothered that we serve God above all other gods. Amen. My kids grew up thinking that this was their living room. This, is, this place was just an extension of where our family spent the majority of our time. In the house of God. Why? Because their father's heart was in the house of God. And so we have not lacked anything. We've had abundance of his provision over our lives in every expression. We, we have come into life and life in abundance. The joys of God's goodness has been seen. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. I don't have to lament that my children are going to have a bad marriage. They, they're going to have an incredible provision from on high. Because our Father in heaven is the one that determines these matters. So let's go to, before we go into Josiah's life, let's go to Psalm 115. And we're going to see there why God wants to deviate us. And why the first commandment is, you shall have no God before me. Do not set up any false image. Do not place before you anything that doesn't have the return substance of the fullness I created you for. Uh, we said this on Wednesday. If you weren't here Wednesday, please get a copy of that message. Because basically we said that our soul runs after things that don't satisfy. And if your soul is leading your life, you miss God. So we, we, we just tell the soul... We're not following you today. We're, we're, we're led by the Spirit of God. There's going to be a different return. And so, let's, let, before we go to Psalm 115, let's go to Exodus 20. And we're going to be reminded that, uh, verse 1, And God spoke these things, saying, I am the Lord your God. 
I'm the one who brought you out of darkness in the land of Egypt, out of captivity, the house of bondage. I'm the one that pulls you out from a miserable lifestyle. I'm going to be the one that leads the way to the promised land. I'm the one that has perfect provision for all things. Follow me. I am the Lord your God. Verse 3, you shall have no other God before me. This, this is established premise one. For those of you who want to be fathers, it's time to have a bonfire. It's time to grab everything you've lifted up that's a priority before God and bring it to his death, similar to the kings of old, that when Josiah came into his throne government, when he became into his kingdom, he went and destroyed all the idols of his father. In other words, he's saying, none of these things are going to occupy me from pursuing the best God has for me. And we're, we're far from this. this. This is archaic preaching this morning. When's the last time you burned your idols? When's the last time you got rid of those things that are taking too much of your time and too much of your money that has pulled you away from the purpose of God? They shall have no gods before me. Here it goes, verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, anything that is in heaven above or on the earth or beneath the earth. Those things that are in the water, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and I visit the iniquity of fathers that fall upon the children to a third and fourth generation of those who despised me, but I show mercy to a thousand of those, verse 6, who love me and keep my commandments. Those are the first two commandments. Then he says number three is you're not going to take the Lord's name in vain. And number four is verse 8, you're going to remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. These, these established order and foundations of our faith and our worship is remove anything that diminishes your time and attention. And in America, they say cash is king and work becomes your pursuit. And it's not to be the case in God's economy. Verse 12 is commandment number five, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long, which the Lord your God has given you. And all these before, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife, his house, his belongings. So when the Lord is speaking to Moses to speak to his people, he lays down the premise of priority in our worship. And that's, that's what we're asking God to show us today. Going back to um, 1 Kings 22, verse 1, Josiah comes in at the age of 8, and he's doing a great, he's called to great high office. Verse 2, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in all the ways of his father, David. That, that's, that's, that's crazy in this resort. His father was not David, it was Amnon. But Amnon was not worthy to follow as an example. So he went back as far as he could to get a good example. And so quit being hung up about you not having a father. Go find somebody who had a father to honor and honor him. Honor your spiritual parents. Line up with their heart for your life. Make sure that, that you're walking before them in a way that pleases them. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left of the ways of his father David. So I always say, quit having the excuse that you have no example and find yourself a good example. And begin to line up with those people that didn't have fathers either and lined up to their heavenly father. Verse 3, Josiah 
having an evil dad, it came to pass when he grew up. So in the 18th year of his reign, so you do 18 and 8, it's 26, that the king sent his servants to the house of the Lord. Something about the way he was governing affairs that led him to go back to the house of God. I don't think you could ever do any leadership without being led by God. The reason America is one of the most superpowers in the world is because our fathers spent a lot of time seeking the bounty of their father in heaven. They understood the importance of having God bless America. The, the, the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God. Everything had to do with walking in the manner that was feared the Lord and brought God into purview for decisions and direction. So he sent people to the house of the Lord. That, that is a powerful thing. I believe that the greatest leaders of all time are being raised up right now in our church. Fierce, bold, courageous leaders that will not tolerate and settle for less. They're going for excellence, for the high things of God. Um, Joshua and Caleb, when Caleb comes into the promised land, they said, you know, you're old and foggy now. You calm down, just take the outer ridges of the promised land so you don't have to go in there and fight the kings and challenge these giants that are there. He goes, no, God told me I'm going to go face the giants and they're going to fall. I'm going to go to the highest part of this land, to the richness and the fullness of the things God has for me. And I'm not going to let the devil take one nostril hair in any direction. I'm going for God. I'm not distracted. I'm not diminished. I'm not deficient. And so he went back to the house of the Lord, verse 4. And when he sent them back there, the priest that he might, well, his, his attention was this, that they might count the money that was in the house of the Lord and begin to repair the temple of God because his father spent time building altars and spending his resources on false gods, things that had no promise. And so before we go to what he did, let's go to Psalm 115 because Psalm 115 captures and describes when we place our attention on things that do not merit our attention. You shall have no God before me. Make no image of anything upon the earth, in the heavens, or below. You're going to serve the Lord your God. Let's go to Psalm 115, verse 1. And there it says, Lord, not unto us, not unto us, Lord. We don't want any glory, but to your name. Everything that we have is going, woo, is going to you, Lord, because your mercy, because of your truth. You don't lead us in a wild goose chase. I, I love to see the zeal of men who are businessmen for their books and for their time. Uh, excuse me, sir. I, I read 905 here and you were supposed to be here at 9. Well, Mr. Businessman, when's the last time you were early to church? You like the standards of order, but you don't in the affairs you run for your God mammon. When it comes to your God, you don't miss a day. You don't miss a time. You're there on time and you wouldn't leave early. Because that's the weight of the deference that you bow down to. But in the house of God, you get here 20 minutes late. You leave 20 minutes early. You don't even come to worship. You come because your wife makes you. No. You come to worship the Lord your God because of his mercy and because of his truth. You give that value. You give that priority. The people are out here in the games tailgating two hours before the game with the new barbecue and the, the new lawn chair and, and they have everything so they can enjoy. Nobody takes my tailgate. It's the best part, going to a sporting event. Because that's your God, sir. I've never seen you out here at church two hours before. Enjoying having come to the house of the Lord where mercy and truth 
are going to be served to you, sir. Verse 2, not unto us the glory, but to you, Lord. Why should the ones who don't know God ask, where is their God? They don't spend time with their God. We spend time with ours, they say. They start celebrating Halloween in September. They get ready for their celebrations. We bear, when was the Gallus tickets being sold? They're asking this in January. It's already passed. We already have the video. You weren't there. Because you don't know how to celebrate your God. You don't know how to give him glory. The Gentiles are like, he says he's a Christian, but I heard they just had a Christmas party. He didn't go. He didn't go celebrate his Christ. He, his idols have distanced themselves, have his time, his attention, and his resources. I got to hurry up because this is too good. He sends people back to the house of the Lord and he says, make sure it's in good order and repair. We keep on going here with this idol, verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He's doing whatever he pleases. There's a disconnect. There's an almighty, all-powerful, good God, but there's no right relationship with him. Verse 4, their idols are silver and gold, the products of the works of hand, man's hand. And, and here's where it is. The deviation to idols is what you're making. The Order and commandment is get connected to what God is making. God has greater return, greater resourcefulness, greater expressions of creativity than you will ever have, sir. Verse 5, these idols are the works of man's hand. They have mouth, but you can't go ask them anything. Go ask one of your idols to give you counsel. They have mouth, but don't speak. They have eyes but cannot see. They don't know when you should turn left, when you should turn right, or when you're going over a cliff. God has eyes. God has a mouth. God speaks. Last night, Pastor Nick was telling me that, that the youth heard from God last night. They heard from God. They were here last night getting a word from God while your son doesn't show up. Why? Because he's following the ways of his wicked father who gives no deference to the one who speaks and the one who sees. Verse 6, these idols, they have ears but do not hear. How are you going to go tell your problems to that place where your time, attention, and resources are directed? Are you going to flip the coin? Are you going to try and, and heads or tails or rock, scissors, Paper? No, their ears don't hear, their noses do not smell, they can't discern. Verse 7, they have hands but they cannot fight, they can't handle, they can't carry stuff. They have feet but they do not walk, nor do they mutter utterance through their throat. Verse 8, those who make up idols for themselves are like them. So is everyone who places their trust in these things. Remember, time, attention, resources, all these things are the things that Ammon, the father of Josiah, had lifted up to a false reality of existence. Um, there's no greater impartation that I've been able to give my children that God has a plan for their lives. He already has determined their days. Live them for God. Live them in the pursuit of his purpose, significance, and resource that he has for you. And quit chasing your tails in the world of idol making. It's super important that we be, uh, you know, that the part of, of this sermon was as our children are coming to us to receive what a son receives from a father what is there in that place the, the the best you have for your son is like this video game the madden video game that has all the recordings of worldly expressions oh that was a good pass oh that was a good run 
oh, that was a good play, or, or he messed up and he overthrew. See, we don't want that type of rhetoric. We want to hear God's voice. Son, thus saith the Lord. This is what he says in his word. But if we're not spending time in his word because our idols have us occupied, then our children are deficient in their development. And the best they have is to follow the footprints of their father, unless they're like Josiah, who takes another route. And the first thing he does is go repair the things in the house of the Lord. And then the next thing, let's read verse 9 real quick here in Psalm 115. They trust in their idols, but you trust in the Lord because he's your help and shield. There's a true refuge in God and there's a true ability to find help in that relationship that you are defaulting from your children. Verse 10, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, verse 11, trust in the Lord. He is your help and your shield. Tells us three times, help and shield, help and shield, help and shield. When you find your idols, there's not a refuge there. There's no help. There's no protection. Verse 11, the Lord has been mindful. He's concerned about us. He really thinks about us. Your idols don't think about you. You spend millions of dollars in the direction of your idols because they deplete you of your resources but at the time of need they're not there even your real estate investments become your confidence they become diminished but God is mindful he thinks about you he blesses you he will bless the house of Israel he will bless the house of Aaron he's a God that blesses when you don't teach your children this they chase their idols. They might think that your employer, your craft, your business is the one who fills you with resources. Verse 13, he will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Verse 14, may the Lord give you increase more and more. I love that. More and more increase, more and more, more and more. That's, I see people depleted in who they are. I know they're chasing a false idol. They have less and less. But when you're with God, more and more. When you're attentive to his voice, more and more. And you're not lifting up altars as places where you bow, take your time and your attention. May the Lord bless you. Verse 15, may you be blessed by the Lord. His, he's the maker of heaven and earth. Verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens, heavens. The highest expression of up is in God. The earth given to his children. And when you die, verse 17, you don't praise the Lord. Nor any of you who go down into silence. Amen. Verse 18, but we will bless the Lord as we live from this time forward and forevermore. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow down where I need to bow down. I'm going to give God my best. I, I told you years ago, I was, my law firm was doing well. And, and the accountant called me and says, the IRS is not going to believe you're giving the church so much money. I said, I don't care what the IRS thinks. That's reality. Tell them to look at my books. My resources are going to, to the place of my highest return. And I could never come close to giving God all he's given us. But I'm going to show it. I'm not going to say, oh, the Lord blessed me. I, I had a lot of people this week come up to me and say, oh, pastor, you don't know how the Lord blessed me. I'm like, well, how about you bless the Lord? The Lord bless you. You bless the Lord. So Josiah didn't have a father. Father who raised up idols, who bound down his resources all over Israel. To, to a father who had his heart elsewhere. But Josiah, he went back to the house of the Lord. And when they went back to the house of the Lord, let's read that. 2 Kings 22, verse 3. He goes back. And he sends them to the house of the Lord, verse 4. When they're in the house of the Lord, guess what happens? He says, go back there, count the money, and begin to repair the house of the Lord. Verse 5. Deliver into the hands of those who do work, who are overseeing the care for house of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to them, to those who are in the house of the Lord, doing the work to repair the damages of the house. Man, I don't know. This is going to be a judgment to all of those of you who 
don't understand the significance of the repairs of the house of the Lord. Because as he does these things, he, verse 6, the carpenters, the builders, the masons to build timber, hewn stone and repair the house of the Lord. Let the house of the Lord have the expressions that there's somebody whose eyes cares about the Lord. He was attentive to that. Look what he says in verse 7. They don't need anyone to keep the accounting of the money that comes there into their hands because they are faithful. They are using this thing to blow up the expression of glory in the house of the Lord. They need not have accountability. And when they're there bringing this word to the servants, Verse 9, so when they went, the scribes went to the king, bringing the king the word saying. No, verse 8, I'm sorry. Verse 8, the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Lo and behold, there's a house of the Lord being repaired. And when they start fixing it and clearing out the closets and putting up the wood, whoo, they, they find the book of the Lord. The, the, the father was supposed to give this book into the hands of Josiah. No, Josiah's heart was in the house of the Lord. And when they were repairing the house of the Lord, they found the book of the Lord. Amen. And they go and says, we don't understand those words. Our father did not explain to us priorities and pursuits. So this book of the Lord that they found in the house of the Lord, verse 9 So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered into the hands of those who work and oversee the house of the Lord. Verse 10, Then the scribe showed the king, saying, The high priest has given me a book. And this book uh, read it before the king. It happened when the king heard of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. He said, Why haven't we been doing any of this? Why haven't we lived according to the instruction of this book? He started tearing his clothes. He missed God because his father had missed God. He could not come into understanding there was a book and there was instruction in that book because his father had no relationship with the house of the Lord or with the book. And so when Josiah hears for the first time, put away idols from before you, he tears his clothes. And then look what he says, super powerful. He tore his clothes. And verse 12, the king commanded the priest and the scribe and his servants. Verse 13, go inquire of the Lord for me. For the people in all of Judah concerning the word of this book that has been found. For great is God's wrath that is aroused against us. Because our fathers have not obeyed the words of his book. To do according to what was written that involved us. We need to find out what's in this book. Verse 14. He, the priest and the scribes. They could have gone to Jeremiah. They could have gone to Sephaniah. They went to a woman Verse 14, pronounced Holda, the prophetess. There was a woman there who was the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Harness, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter and they spoke with her. Verse 15, when they went to this woman, then she said to them, thus saith the Lord God, tell the man who sent you, the king, Tell this, the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, verse 17. I will bring the wrath of the Lord upon them because they have forsaken me. And they chose to burn incense to other gods. Time, attention, resource. That they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched 
I'll tell you, I'm going to be honestly true with you. My concern for not doing what God calls us to do in his word is not the boogeyman's going to get me. It's not because of the bad things that will result. It's because I'm missing God. That's a greater def uh, deterrent to me. How can I miss God? How can I miss what he has for us? How can I not be paying attention to his book? Those who meditate day and night, everything they do shall prosper. They shall lend and not borrow. We're living, we're living treacherous, empty lives because we refuse to worship God. I've never, I've never had the feeling I'm not going to do what God says because he's going to get me. I've always had this sentiment. If I don't do what God says, I'm going to miss God. I'm going to miss the expressions of his joy. He, every good and perfect gift, he gave it as his son. With his son, give us freely all things. How can we miss God to be somewhere else where there's no return? How has that become the God of our families? Time, attention, resources. So he says like this, he sends it to the woman. The woman says, nah, you guys are in bad standing. The, the wrath of God. Verse 18 is glorious. But as for the king, Josiah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak, thus saith the Lord, concerning the words which you have heard. Because, verse 19, Josiah, because your heart was tender, because you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against the inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. When you tore your clothes and wept before the Lord, I also have heard you. Amen. Says the Lord. I saw, you, I saw your reaction to having missed me. And so you're not going to get wrath and desolation and curse. Amen. I'm going to let another generation come in and see this craziness before their eyes. Because you were tenderhearted and humble. You're going to have peace until you get to the grave. And your eyes shall not see calamity. But you know what, what he does? He starts restoring the house of God in the repairs. He restores the word of God. He restores the worship. He restores the servants in the house of God. He begins to celebrate the Sabbath. He begins to celebrate Passover. He starts doing everything that God wants and, and it's glorious to see a son that might be missing the heart and the words of an earthly father begin to honor a heavenly father. Amen. And see the goodness of the Lord in his life in a manner that was huge. Discovering, repairing the temple. Listen to what happens. Those of you that have lost your ways as fathers, start putting your attention back into the house of God. Amen. Then start putting your attention back in what God's word is. Give time to his word. Then begin to, to do what he says. You know, it's, it's powerful. Um, he sent off his lack of understanding to a godly woman. And I love this verse because many people say, oh, women shouldn't talk or women shouldn't teach or women shouldn't lead. Well, guess what? Josiah was wise and sought a wise woman. Amen. And she, he, he sent her to a woman who did not flatter around words, did not play with words. She told them directly what was in that book. And she told them directly the consequences of coming against what was written. And so he began to address matters in the house of God with the word of God. Verse 33, look what he does. Josiah removed... All the repulsive things from the land, the things that God did not like. 2233, is it? Let's go Second Chronicles 3433. This is uh, the story is also in the book of Chronicles. Josiah removed all the things that God hated from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. 
He removed every high place. He removed every idol. If you're a son here in this house, have a conversation with your father and tell him, listen, these are high places. These are altars lifted up to foreign gods. And they do not have reward or shield like our God does. Let's begin to put our efforts directed to the house of the God, to the word of God. Chapter 35 here in 2 Chronicles, he began, Josiah celebrated the Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem. When he begins to celebrate the things of God, because he's reading the word of God, because he's in the house of the Lord, there's a verse here that blew my mind. He says, no time ever in Jerusalem. Verse 18, no Chapter 35, no Passover. There had been no Passover celebrated in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept. He restored the celebrations of God's feast like no one had ever done. I really think that, that we have not seen Christianity the way it's supposed to have been done. Our Christmas gala is a good attempt at restoring the holiday, celebrating Christ. Our children know that it's a good time to be at Spring of Life when we celebrate Christ's birth in Christmas. Begins to put things in their place. Father, I speak to you this morning. You are to speak to your children out of the book of Proverbs. You should add a minimum you say, well, I don't have, I'm not much for words. I'm not much for conversation. I, I, I grunt more than I do anything else. Mm, 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 mm. Open the book of Proverbs. Sit down in your living room and read it to your sons. That's, that's the minimum. If, if you're not going to be excited like I'm excited about how God has a future for our children... A perfect provision of all things. They don't have to suck the gutter. My children have never had to have bitterness in their life to come to Christ. Because they love sweet bread. Amen. They love the good things. Uh, but I think it was Nick's first preaching, the good life. How old were you? 18. 18, and he's saying the good life. At 18, nobody has anything. Beach Boys had the good vibrations. But the good life? Only those whose father map out the course of this life. And don't have other priorities that are stripping them of their time, of their attention, and of their resources. Those are abominable to God because he has real provision. And time with him is well spent. You'll never regret having spent the time you spend in the presence and in the pursuit and in the service of God. Let's stand this morning. Father... We glorify your name this morning. And we thank you. For this piano is about to work. <laughs> we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house today we pray in Jesus name that we would have the heart and the words of father speaking into our lives that this would direct our devotion and our service unto you O God that we not leave our children without direction without significance and great reward thank you for the life of Josiah 
Thank you that even though he had a God whose heart was cowardly warped to worship and spend time for things that were not of value, he decided to turn his heart back to the house of God to repair those things that might have been deficient in his lifetime because of the neglect of his father. But there he found the book of the Lord. And he began to inquire and find out what God has said so he could do life as God wanted. And he restored worship. And he tore down the high place of his father, repulsive places of abomination. Or the excuse of, I don't have time to give God what is his. I can't make it. I'm tired because I work too much. That those words not come as a stench to your nostrils. As we spend so many hours to that which is not wise which is not good, which is not promising, which does not bless and reward. And here we are, Lord, desiring to follow the footsteps of men like Josiah, who left an incredible legacy to his children, Lord, to his grandchildren. And they would never be, Lord, that we would have wicked and cowardly fathers that would send our children into a laguna instead of to the rivers of living water. We glorify your name. We exalt you. We celebrate you. We pray your blessing upon your people that this would be a week to turn our hearts towards our children and our children turn their hearts to their fathers so that you not strike the earth with a curse, but that we might fill the earth with your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.